Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by StarCharge, the largest EV charging manufacturer in the world, and is also a provider of residential and commercial battery storage and microgrid solutions. And KimPower, the reliable, quick, and scalable EV charging solutions for everyone and everywhere. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm Francie, if you don't already know me, and I'm here to talk some electric topics in your ear. Today, I am joined by Eric Roseman, Chief Revenue Officer of Zeal. Thank you for joining me today, Eric. I hope you're doing well. Where are you calling in from? Thank you very much, Francie. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas. Nice. Okay, so we're you know, kind of in the South, both in the South, although very different histories of the South. I know some people are like, Texas is its own thing. Is it really the South? But I think so. They, uh, they got their own little flair down here. That's for sure. Uh, I'm, new, I'm newer to Texas. So I'm, I'm slowly buying into, into the Texas prop, the Texas pride. Mm, okay. But they're winning you over. I'm sure they are. They are. So I've been looking into Zeal, of course, and I'm excited to have you on to speak to, I mean, there's so many topics when it comes to EV charging, a plethora of topics from reliability to hardware, to software, to manufacturing, standardization, customer experience, and so much more. And so I, what I want to focus on today is where Zeal finds its competitive advantage, what sets you apart from the rest, and hear more about your mission and goals at the company. And I want to start by clarifying, and I'll let you do it in your own words, Eric, but what exactly is it that Zeal does? Of course, are you an EV charger installer? Are you an app or software provider? Where exactly do you fall in this important growing industry? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of questions in that, but we like to think of ourselves as a technology-first electric vehicle charging company. Um, We are not installers ourselves. We're not electricians, although we do have master electricians on the team to assist where needed. But really, our core is we are a software and a technology infrastructure provider. So we provide the turnkey experience to our customers, but we have built 
and we have patents around our software, and most importantly, the connectivity in which how a charge is basically transmitted from the driver to a cloud and all the way back. And I'll explain more about that, but that's, we're a charging network provider to, to our customers. Very cool. And we'll get more into exactly who your customers are and because, yeah, that's an interesting part of this too, because it's not all about DC fast charging. Of course, there's a lot of level two charging that we need in this transition. And I also want to ask, how exactly did you come to be a part of Zeal's team? How did you end up as chief revenue officer? Yeah, so I spent the about half a decade at traditional real estate companies. I, I started at CBRE, which is the largest global real estate firm in the world. And then I ran technology for one of the largest developers in the United States named Lincoln Property Company. And I built their technology and innovation arm. And so over those three years while at Lincoln, I was looking at all kinds of technology, access control, tenant engagement, um, you know, ESG mandates, whether it was solar, water irrigation, and then EV charging was obviously kind of a, it was an up and coming uh, part of the ESG stack in 2018. And so I met the founders early on. I helped drive some of their early demand and their customers. And Lincoln took an early stake in the business as a partner. So I got to know the business by being a customer first, realizing we need to be charging in our properties. And I said, wait, these guys are doing it better than everybody else. And so I was like, let's join them. Let's help grow the business from the inside. Mm, that's an interesting perspective uh, coming as a customer. And you say that you saw that they were doing things better than, than others. And what stood out to you as a customer before you joined the team as a really strong aspect of Zeal specifically? So it really came down to the product and the driver experience. So at Lincoln, I was at Lincoln Property Company. We had used all kinds of solutions and I won't name names, but your traditional electric vehicle charging providers. And I just found them all difficult to work with. There were always problems. The communication wasn't great. The systems were going down. People weren't fixing them. And I was like, this can't be the critical infrastructure we're relying for our tenants and our buildings. And so when I started working with Zeal, I was like, A, they removed the critical failure point of charging stations, which is network connectivity. So it was like, wait, all you need to do is literally plug it into power. You don't have to worry about commissioning to some central networking and getting cell boosters. I was like, wait, that's so smart, getting rid of the, the choke point. Um, and I just felt like it was an easy button working with them versus the traditional providers. Mm, yeah, an easy button. I, I think that that the pain points you mentioned are not unfelt in whether it's the customer side or the provider side. There's always some hiccups along the way, which is just, I mean, it's kind of funny that, uh, of course, it's a new technology and we're watching it unfold, but um, there have been challenges along the way. And when you find ways that you can kind of either get rid of the middleman, whatever that quote unquote middleman is to make the process more efficient, that's really important. All right, a quick break from today's episode to thank our sponsors, Climate Exchange, for sponsoring today's video. I am excited to share this basically dream of mine for you to possibly win a fully customized electric vehicle while supporting a nonprofit working on climate policy. This is Climate Exchange's eighth raffle, and there's less than a month left to enter, so definitely hop on this. Other online raffles might give you a few vehicle options, but nowhere close to this one. Their grand prize winner can choose any fully customized EV worth up to $112. 
$1,000. This is the price of a fully loaded Tesla Model X Plaid. So if a car on our show, any of the out-of-spec channels has caught your eye, now is your chance to drive home in it. Plus, they make the process really easy. They cover all the taxes, they pay for home charging, and they'll work with you to design and order your dream car. Plus, they also have cash prizes, so you can take home possibly two, three, five, or $10,000. Tickets have sold out for the past three years, so definitely don't miss out on getting yours right away. No matter what, your purchase is going towards a great cause. Climate Exchange is a nonprofit, and they're working very hard to help states pass policies that fight climate change, something that I take very seriously. That's the whole reason they're running this raffle. They know that EVs play a key role in reducing pollution, and the proceeds from this raffle help fund their important work. You can buy tickets at www.carbonraffle.org or just go to the show notes and click the link in the description. Sales end on February 27th, and the winners will be drawn on February 29th. And now, back to the show. The charging solutions you provide from what I was picking up is, you know, for that slower charging apartments, multifamily complexes, universities, workplaces. And this is so important because there's around like 38 million Americans living in apartments I was reading, which is, you know, obviously makes it hard for you to get EV charging, especially if that's just not even seen as an amenity in your area and you're not the property manager. So what kind of power do you have to install it? So maybe you want to adopt EV, but also maybe you're renting a house or living on a college campus and you can't install this amenity, whatever the case, it's not as easy and simple for everyone to get an EV because you have to think next step, when am I going to charge this thing and how am I going to charge this thing? So if we're going to continue adopting EVs, we need plenty of level two charging. Like I said, not just public fast charging. So maybe we can dive into a little bit more. How does Zeal provide a solution to this issue of, you know, I don't own my home. I don't own where I live. Maybe I am just in a dorm, but I have an EV. How can I charge it? Yeah. Well, our business is kind of B to B to C, right? Like who is our actual customer? It's the driver. It's you. It's myself. But who's the customer that pays for it? not the driver. It's the landlord. It's the building owner. They might be an investment management firm sitting in their beautiful glassy ivory tower in Chicago or New York, but the asset might be in Alpharetta, Georgia, and the driver is just a tenant and has no say in the decision to get charging. So it's a business model challenge for apartment and workplace charging. So I like to think when we built the Zeal team, And we staffed up the team and our go-to-market. It was really about going to apartment building owners and office building owners and appealing to them as to why they need to put this in as a critical necessity. Not an amenity. It's It's not a pool. It's not a dog walk. It's like having sinks in your apartment. Like, you have to have it. Um, And some groups say, you're right. We absolutely have to have it. And other groups say, "Eh, I don't feel like I need to. It's not my problem. Well, fine, you can think that way, but apartment occupancy in the U.S. right now is at a a 10-year low. It's at 94%, which means there's a lot more options for the renter. And so if you're not offering critical amenities, your property is disadvantaged against the competitive set. So our business model and our go-to-market is go-win relationships with large commercial real estate owners, large universities. Uh, large enterprises that own their real estate and help them understand that they need a partner and an easy button partner to figure that out. 
while at the same time delivering a product that the drivers are happy with, that, that works. And I like to say, if you go to Times Square, I guess it was six months ago, we had a billboard that said, EV charging, it just works. Because the it just works is not the status quo for a lot of providers. So we're really standing behind reliability and the fact that it just works. That's the difference maker. I mean, yeah, isn't that the odd status quo to fulfill? It works, um, which is really great, of course, if that's, I mean, everyone should be hitting that. And so how hard is it, you, you, you're talking about, yeah, this isn't an amenity, this is critical. I mean, we're talking about it as critical infrastructure as well, you know, on federal levels. So you say that some people are convinced, some people aren't. Is it, are you typically finding that you're seeking you know, these customers out or are they looking for these kind of options in general? What's kind of the attitude of your, your customers that own these properties? Do they really take some convincing or is it kind of like, yeah, well, that is a clear value add to what I'm trying to do here. Every day it gets more and more to the point where she, will you give me one second to pause this real quick? No problem. Hey guys, can I, I need to, and it's quiet on this one. If you guys want to talk, just do it out there. Sorry, but I see good things. Good? Good thing? There, cool. Okay, we can resume it. Great. Maybe I should, you guys want me to go in the other room? No. You sure? I got to leave. Okay. Sure. No worries. Um, right. So I just asked you basically how easy it is or hard it is to sell. What are the general attitudes around, you know, this being something that folks really find as a value add to what they're already doing? Yeah. So I would bucket the customer type in probably three different categories. It's, I know I need to do it. I'm ready to purchase. You don't need to convince me. I'm a believer. Then there's the, I'm not really a believer, but I kind of know I need to do something. I read the headlines. And then there's the, I'm not a believer. And unless I'm forced to do it by mandate or there's rebate, like free money, then I'll do it. And I would say the middle is really who we interact with the most. Like the, the people that are fully, fully bought in, call it your San Diego real estate owner. They're like, okay, there's a Tesla in every, you know, everyone's drives a Tesla or everyone's driving an electric car. You don't need to convince me. I see it with my own eyes. Those are easy conversations. And then it's a, am I buying zeal or am I buying another provider? Not an issue. Um, the middle is like, we know this is important. We haven't done anything. We need a partner to guide us through these waters because we're unsure. That's where we spend most of our time. We go after them, but more and more, they come inbound to us. I mean, we have a, we have a team broken out regionally. And I think the issue for my team is the amount of time in the day. They just don't have enough time to talk to all the customers. So much so we've had to create a system where all the inbound and all the interest comes in and then we connect them to our electrician partners out in the field that represent our product and can install our product and help them be successful because right now there is more demand than there is time in the day. And that's a, that's a good thing for a business. Definitely. I'm happy to hear that for you and also happy to hear that for the end user, the drivers that will be needing this charging, um, because the more charging options, especially, you know, ones that you can leave your car plugged in for many hours or overnight or whatever it is to take a bit of the pressure off of the DC fast charging infrastructure. I think that's a win no matter what. And 
I think perhaps, you know, I'm going to make an assumption here, but one of your selling points is, is obviously the software and the value that that brings. And so I was reading about you and you, you were, had mentioned earlier, you know, this patent pending Apollo protocol that I was reading about. And I was wondering if you could kind of just, yeah, give me a breakdown of the software as you teed it up in the beginning. And then also about this patented protocol and all that, that is seems to be probably like your bread and butter, the big, this is what makes the charging experience with Zeal the best it can be. Yeah. So most smart chargers, whether it's a level three, like EVgo, or it's a level two product like ChargePoint, they all are smart. They're smart IoT devices, right? They're a box that delivers energy, but it still requires payment authorization, access control, um, smart metering. So it requires like computing in order to process those things and authenticate. And it needs to be real time. So what happens with other providers is you'll drive your car up, you'll plug in and you'll go to, you know, swipe your credit card or tap and it needs to send a message up to its cloud server. So it'll basically say, Hey, this is Francie. She drives a, you know, mock E and that data transfer needs to go up through the pipes, through Wi-Fi, connect to a local server, which connects to a, da- uh, a cell tower system, which goes to a data center, and, and then comes all the way back. So it's basically going up the pipes of the internet and back down the pipes of the internet. And that's the problem in smart EV charging. Oftentimes that connection breaks. Maybe the reception isn't strong enough. Maybe the Wi-Fi doesn't have enough bars. Maybe there's an interruption in service, and then you're stranded. So Zeal started its business just like everybody else, doing the exact same thing, connecting to wireless routers. What we realized was, oh my gosh, when the mom who has to drive her kid to the hospital in the middle of the night finds out that the charger didn't work, like, and you're SOL, that's a horrible driver experience, and, and that's going to kill the industry. So our founders went back to the drawing board, and they reinvented the way a smart charger experience happens. And the way they did that was on the backs of the, like an Apple release that came out in 2019. And what we did is we built a protocol, it's fully patented now, not patent pending, where the phone brings with it an encrypted ledger of your information and delivers it locally to basically a chip inside the charger. And it acts like a data center right then and there or an edge computer. So it authenticates, does the payment processing all right between the phone and the charger. And then the phone is the one that sends all that critical information up to the cloud. But the mm. charging station itself doesn't need to be centrally located and connected to an internet source. So I like to say it's a small change, but a massive paradigm shift in the way that compute happens and the way that charging happens. And most important is that it just works. As long as you have your phone on you, you can start charging and that's it. Okay. So, so go ahead, keep going. No, so so that so there's no IT required with Zeal. There's no IT upgrades. You're never going to have the, oh, well, AT&T just moved from 3G to 4G or just completely retired the 3G network. So that happened a couple of years ago. A bunch of chargers need to be completely replaced because they were built on 3G IT infrastructure. With Zeal, that'll never happen. There's no IT upgrades because the charging system or the smarts inside of it are fully self-sufficient and self-reliant. And we can deliver over-the-air updates with your phone. Your phone delivers the message to the charger and can update the firmware and the software right then and there. That's cool. So the driver with their phone becomes a part of your system beyond just receiving 
a charge to their EV. They actually facilitate parts of the operation. And uh, so basically, if I pull up and my phone has service, I'm good to go. You could be you could be on airplane mode because what's happening is you'll still have your encrypted ledger stored inside your phone and deliver it right there, even when you're not centrally connected to an internet source. Hmm. And to go one step further, if I throw my phone in the ocean and then you're the next person to come back to that charger, you'll bring my ledger in your data, in your connection between the phone and the charger. So it's, it's, it's basically built a redundant system where everyone's carrying a piece of the network back to the charging system. So our belief at Zeal is EV charging is just the beginning of that fabulous technology. Think about all the other use cases of a smart device. Maybe it's a smart parking meter where you have to pay your parking meter in Memphis, Tennessee, and you can just tap your phone and deliver the payment and the network right then and there. Very cool. Yeah, I I haven't really heard this before. So um, I, I do think that this model is really interesting. It does have the redundancy that we've seen. I mean, you need redundancy all throughout the path of EV charging so that folks can just at the end of the day, charge their EV without some sort of scenario where they're stranded. Um, and I know that, you know, some providers have run into issues because if you want to put chargers in a charge, like a parking garage, sometimes you lose service. Um, so it seems like with this method, you kind of don't run into those things. And when we're thinking of this kind of application of chargers at this, these specific sites, multi-unit housing, apartments, parking garages, might be, you know, an, an ideal spot to put them. Am I right? That it, we like to say we're perfect for underground garage. We're perfect for a normal parking garage, but we're also perfect for a surface lot with perfect receptivity. Mm-hmm. Because also one day it's perfect. The next there's an AT&T blackout or the Wi-Fi goes down. So even if you think you're in this perfect cellular reception zone, we've seen it time and time again, all kinds of issues, bandwidth constraints. And it's just, that's outside of the calculation for Zeal. It'll just always work. The actual software is the same as pretty much most ever other charging company. You can still customize the rates, you can see reporting. So it has no limitations with this approach. It's just, we have that one layer difference about how it actually connects to ensure reliability. Mm-hmm. And I love the approach that it was a learned lesson and then a, you know, a reboot of what you were doing, which is actually a question I was going to ask you later on in the interview is like what lessons have been learned along the way? Because I think when you're trying to provide this value add to this customer base, you definitely have to learn, well, what is valuable to them? We might think it's valuable to put an EV charging, but actually, uh, you know, the the site host, whatever it is, what do they find valuable? So if we're talking about um, the actual charger, maybe we can talk about the the hardware. If this is in, how does it serve two parking spots? Can it charge two EVs? What is kind of that product lineup like? Um, it's a typical one for one is our charger. And you can put two on a single pedestal to make it a dual port. So a dual port is nothing more than two chargers smashed into one interface. And so Zeal has an equivalent like that. Um, And in our process is we'll work with a a site host to help them understand and size their property accordingly. So if you're in San Diego and it's a brand new multifamily building, we're going to look at the data and say, you probably need 30, 40% of your parking stalls day one to have EV chargers. If you're in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's a class B garden style property on the fringe of, of the city, 
it's going to be a lower percentage, right? And so we'll look at the data and help them size it. And then we'll put in the chargers on pedestals or on a wall mount, depending on the infrastructure required. Cool. Yeah, we definitely need some more uh, where I am. I actually drive a, a VinFast now. I don't know if you've heard oh, of Oh, congrats. Yeah. yeah. Company car, you know, we're doing that. We've got a, a three-year lease deal. So we're investigating, you know, what it's like to live with a VinFast long-term. And I was the lucky out-of-spec member to get the VinFast VF8. But um, charging in this area is hard. Uh, I, I admit the at-home charging is essential. So this kind of business model is essential and to figure out how to really make it work. So to be clear, who maintains and operates the chargers? If a problem comes up, uh, how quickly can it be um, identified, diagnosed, and resolved? So our typical structure is we sell the equipment and a software agreement for five years. And then all software maintenance is on Zeal. We have a network operations center and we maintain them. We diagnose, we have a 24 seven support line. Um, the hardware itself has a five-year warranty. So if there's any issues or defects, that's covered by our company. And then there's the, like the awkward middle ground of like, if there's vandalism or someone cuts the cord, those are the things that kind of fall outside of what Zeal would take care of. Luckily, we haven't seen much of that. And our charger, one of the manufacturers that we use, is one of the most durable and ruggedized products. You can kind of take a baseball bat to it and there's no issues. Um, so it's really important to choose your hardware manufacturer correctly. You can really skimp out and go cheap, as a lot of groups do. We've selected historically known to be the most durable in the industry. Um, our primary partner is Enphase Energy. Uh, we have a custom line with them, but we're also diversifying with different manufacturers. But it's really important to choose a hardware provider that's well-built and well-maintained because you do not want to fall into the camp of a bunch of snip chargers or broken screens because uh, a lot of that stuff falls into that gray area of who's supposed to fix it. Um, I will say the nice thing is because of our protocol, our chargers don't have central networking needs. And so most of the issues that happen with chargers that require a service call tend to be, hey, the network's unavailable or they can't get a signal. Can someone come out and reset the system? That doesn't happen with you. That doesn't even, it's not part of the calculation or compute. So we cut out the number one reason why maintenance calls are generally required. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, you kind of also answered one of my questions. I was going to talk about how you choose the hardware. And it sounds like you have, you know, this solid relationship, pun intended, with your manufacturer where you really want the durability in it. Uh, but for your for your research that you do to figure out which what kind of hardware you want to put out there and have your name on, what is that process like in deciding on that partner and investigating that partner and seeing if this would be the right one for you? I can't go too deep into that because, you know, these are ongoing discussions, um, but it's important to choose a reputable partner on the hardware side who wants to innovate and wants to work with us because we do have a differentiated approach from a lot of the other software providers. Um, we're not looking for the cheapest international provider that can just, you know, print up 500 or a thousand off a line and say, here you go. Like we need a real collaborative partner. And that's not the case for a lot of charging network providers that just say, hey, I'll buy the cheapest stuff I can find and, you know, mark it up slightly. So 
these are evolving discussions with different partners, um, but these are long-term business relationships. So mm-hmm. I think the collaboration part is important because you're getting uh, a perspective, one perspective that you can bring back and say, Hey, it would be great. You know, maybe if you consider this part, uh, from our experience here, and it makes me think about future proofing. So are you a part of the conversations and how you think these products should be, or your services as well should be future proofed for more vehicles being electrified, more EVs on the road? Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the conversation. One thing I will say is a lot of our customers and our partners, so our electrical contractors and distributors, will say to us, hey, we love this hardware from name the German conglomerate that makes EV charging, or hey, we love this level two provider that comes from China. You guys should integrate your software. And so a lot of times the market is helping guide where the collaboration can should come from. And we'll meet with that group and say, hey, our customers are asking for our software and your hardware. Let's work on a collab. Um, but when it comes to future proofing, I know there's a lot going on around ISO, I'm forgetting the number, but you know, plug and charge. Obviously, the nozzles are changing with NACS and J1172. So all that stuff comes into play, and you have to weigh all of it when it comes to designing new products, what you put out on the field, and making sure they're future-proof and they don't go obsolete. The nice thing with software is we can update our system through the phone as a fragmentation delivery system and keep at least the software side updated. But hardware, it's important to choose the right provider so that you're you know, staying, staying ahead of the curves as these changes come up. Yeah, and definitely with the transition to uh, the North American Charging Standard or J3400, well, however anyone's comfortable calling it, uh, is definitely something to consider. Of course, most of those EVs won't have a native NAX port for a hot minute, but um, we're looking that way. So it's definitely important to think, how are things changing? What can we see from where we're standing? And then how can we consider how things might change? But I think those partnerships, again, like you said, are really important. When it comes to in- installing chargers and your you know, your customers, it might be a workplace or an apartment, how fast do they need to be? Do we need 11.5 kilowatts, 7, 3 kilowatts? What, do you, what are you finding? Is there a difference among your customers? I think the most important thing is to make sure that when residents come home and charge at an apartment building or tenants come to an office building during the day, that they can plug in and know they're getting a full charge uh, overnight or during the, the lifespan of, of a, of a workday. Some groups will try to say to me, well, we can do a 110 and get away with level ones that adds, you know, two to three miles an hour. Like, oh, well, you know, the average commute is 50 miles. So they're doing the back of the envelope math saying, well, they'll just plug in every night. And it just feels like a pretty like, you know, it feels like they're trying to skimp their way to a solution without actually providing the best experience. And then on the far side, you have the DC fast charging, which is not a solution for most apartment buildings and office buildings because the power requirement is just excessive and it's expensive. So you're, you're in this level two most building codes to this point have kind of said you need to be in the 40 amp circuit range. Some are putting in 60, some are putting 80s. So we see between seven kilowatts up to about 19 is the normal. Our flagship product is 7.7 and it works perfectly for you come home at five or six o'clock, you plug your chart, your phone, your car in. And then by the time you leave for work the next day, you're good. Or maybe you decide to move it at 11 PM before you go to sleep and somebody else can 
can plug in before they go to bed. Um, but I think that that's generally sufficient for apartments and, and office buildings is seven kilowatts. Some will say you need a little bit more because of the bigger cars like a Rivian and the F-150, their battery sizes. But seven and at 7.7 is going to pretty much do a full charge of every car overnight. So that's where that's where we see success. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then how do you optimize the installation without needing an electrical service upgrade that, you know, Zeal has spoken about? Sometimes you think, yeah, I've got to maybe they want to skimp and do the 110 because they don't want to put in all the wiring or whatever is necessary. But it seems like you're able to kind of work with that as well. Maybe not make it as such a big project as is expected by your customers. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, you always play with the hand that you've been dealt, right? And you got to look at how much available power is there and how many charges can I fit and what's the power optimization. So our software has a distributed power optimization where it'll share more power with one charger and less to the other and kind of dynamically shift it as cars plug in and um, get unplugged. And so you do your best to put as many as you can with the power available Sometimes you have to bring in a new power service. Sometimes you have a utility that's six months to a year backed up. And these are just business decisions of, hey, do I need solutions right now? Or can I invest and take the time and go through the process to upgrade the service? Uh, there's no one size fits all. I think it's it's important to have local experts and you know boots on the ground that can look at your site and open up the electrical closets and understand what you're working with. New development's a lot easier because you can look at electrical schematics and start to plan for the future. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if I know that you've, I've read about the different partners you've had and the scales of them, but could you tell me about the biggest install you've done and maybe the smallest install y'all have done? So the smallest install is, I mean, simple. We'll get a, we'll have a, an electrician in you know, Des Moines, Iowa, who calls us up and said, Hey, I just installed one charger at a pharmacy. Can you turn it on? And those happen all the time. Um, we've done a number of rollouts with partners that have said, Hey, we're making an, an initiative over the next 90, 120 days to roll out 10% or 15% of our parking stalls across our portfolio. So we've done a number of those. Um, one that we've been public with is a group called Harrison Street out of Chicago, a large private equity group, uh, alternative investment manager. And they rolled out a few hundred chargers across 90 days, sorry, in 90 days across, um, I think it was like about 12 assets. So, um, and, and we generally take these in phases. So we're not going to roll out 2000 chargers at one time across the whole portfolio. We'll work with the customer to say, let's do phase one over the next 90 days, all the assets in the Southeast or in the Southwest. And so we'll take kind of a concerted phased approach um, just so we can find some level of scale and time commitment with our electrician partners. Mm. Okay. So that makes me think of your inventory too. And I know that during COVID-19, I mean, inventory supply chains, that was a headache. Sorry, everyone, if that, you know, gave you a little heart attack, me mentioning the pandemic, but uh, have things gotten better um, from your side? Are you able to build up an inventory so you can deliver on that kind of timeline? Yeah, we work, you know, we work with our partners. These processes take a couple months to design the program and work through, get bids, look at specs. So we're able to work with our suppliers to kind of 
put these things on the pipeline, do some forecasting. Um, it hasn't been an issue for us to, to meet the deadlines. Um, so, and frankly, it's been an opportunity as some groups have said, Hey, I need something tomorrow. We're able to make, we're able to move quickly with our partner. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. Um, and just to think kind of big picture from your experience so far and the lessons you've learned, what kind of partnerships, and maybe they're not even partnerships that we've talked about yet, have you found to be most beneficial in moving forward with your mission and your work at Zeal that you found to just be, oh my gosh, I maybe you didn't even see it coming, but a lot of great collaboration along the way. Anything like that? Well, I think there's two kinds of partnerships that I think about as been supercharged into our business. The first is the relationships with large commercial real estate owners that trust Zeal to be their EV charging partner. Um, because it's such an insular network. So when you do well by one group, they tell their peers. And so you get a level of credibility when you're the EV charging partner for X, Y, or Z. I won't share their name. Um, so I feel really strongly that taking care of our customer and hearing what they need and building product enhancements and features around what our customers want will always lead you to the right path. Um, So I feel proud of our relationships with the large real estate companies. And then I'm really proud of our channel partners. So we, about a year ago, only a year ago, launched our reseller network and our distribution partnerships. And so we now have national um, stocking partners, electrical contractors that carry our product, represent us in the market, um, they then have a roster of 200 electrical contractors that buy pipe, gear, transformers, and EV charging for them. And so it creates this sort of network effect. When you do well by your, ch- your channel partners, they then turn around and kind of spread the gospel to their network. So again, very proud of our channel partners and our electrical distributors that have really transformed our business. And I'd like to think we've support- supported their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're growing a, a, a web of connections to really be able to extend your footprint to widen your reach and get zeal in more and more places from what you've seen eric of this industry what where do you see it going in the future what is most exciting to you maybe what do you see as like hmm i'm not so sure about that if i had a say in it maybe i would tell it to go this way what do you think about the EV charging industry as a whole? As we go forward, we're supposed to have many, many millions more EVs on the road. We're supposed to grow our battery storage capacity, you know, try to diversify our renewable energy resources, all this stuff. Yeah. What, what kind of are you seeing into the future? You know, so kind of be an odd answer, but I'm looking forward to free market dynamics at play. Um, all the subsidies, all the rebates, all the, you know, the grant money is great to start a market, but it also has unintended consequences. And the best player doesn't always win when you have sort of free money floating around. Um, it kind of elicits some interesting characters kind of running after a gold rush. And so I'm looking forward to free markets again. I'm looking forward to the best product wins, demand driving the buying decision, uh, customers not expecting free, and then being discouraged when they find out they have to pay for things. So it, it's a tough business environment. It's, a, it's, it's good to start a market, but it can't sustain a market forever as we've seen in solar. And so I'm looking forward to, to that. And in certain states, you have that places like Texas, there are no state rebates. There's no utility rebates, but places like California is heavily legislated. It's heavily 
you know, there's heavy hands all over the place kind of dictating outcomes. Um, almost like a bit of a, a, a shadow effort, if you will, of, you know, who wins and who loses. So, so looking forward to that. And then, you know, I'm looking forward to some of the sort of ISO, like plug and charge vehicle to everything. I know that's kind of played out. Everybody's talked about that, but we haven't seen it in reality yet. It's all planned and headlines. And so I'm looking forward to my first blackout at my house in Texas where my Tesla gets to charge my house. Yeah, that will be so, I mean, hopefully it all goes well, but I think you bring up great points that we think about and talk about a lot on our team or, you know, with people in our personal lives or our professional lives, which is these subsidies, like you said, can be great to propel, to catapult, to catalyze this industry. But when it stops, when it lessens, what will stand and be successful? So it'll be really interesting to watch those strategies. And, you know, like you and your company and other companies like you, you have to think ahead. Like, of course, take advantage of funding when you can get it, but to rely fully on it, probably not the best bet, you know, take the opportunity to really think ahead and strategize. And uh, also I think vehicle to grid and vehicle to X are, are really cool and how you can have a microgrid at your home. And the, the just the idea that we have a giant battery on wheels, let's use it just, you know, not just for driving us around. I think that's such an interesting concept. So I, I must agree. Those are two things that I'm excited for looking forward into the future as well. And, you know, you're growing your team at Zeal. You're really pushing forward. What keeps you motivated to do it? Well, I buy into the big vision, right? Like I told you before, Zeal is not just an electric vehicle charging business. We are, that's our primary business. That's what we do every day. But the underlying principles of a distributed network where your phone delivers information to every device is kind of a cool future where you can walk up and, you know, you kind of get glimpsed. You, you get a sense for it when you do NFC and you pay for something at a point of sale, but truly delivering a network to different devices, whether it's your charger, your package locker, your apartment building, the smart meter, a laundry machine. I mean, this thing and the protocol we built, uh, has a huge potential to revolutionize the way you interact with your building and your built environment. So that's what motivates me seeing that, that vision. Um, and then what also motivates me is I just had my first kid. He's six weeks old, a baby boy. And so oh, thank you. Awesome. So I'm, I'm, you know, I want him to be proud of his dad, that his dad's working really hard building a great company and I want to do it for him. So that's, Aww. that's what motivates me. That's really great. Love to hear it. Congratulations. Growing your family, growing the business. Nice. It sounds like a clear motivator for the work that you do. And I do think it is a very interesting business model. I'd love to, you know, be able to see one of your chargers somewhere. And um, if, if folks are more interested in learning about Zeal, speaking to someone on your team, whatever it is, where would be the best place for them to go check you out? So our website, zealenergy.com obviously is a great place. Uh, we're pretty active on LinkedIn if you're in the business community. So feel free to reach out, uh, direct message me. And then I think we've got an Instagram and maybe even a TikTok these days. So check, check yeah. out our content. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay. And everyone, you know, tuning in, if you have questions for Eric or his team or about Zeal, feel free to leave them in the comments. Would love to know what y'all think about um, this, this business model and how they're going about it. If you've used a Zeal charger before, what was your experience like? Would love to hear it. 
And yeah, thank you, Eric, so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate your your time and your energy to tell me all about Zeal and your work and really explain uh, how you see it fitting into this industry where there's a good bit of competition, but still a lot of room to um, find the right strategy. There's a lot of opportunity. It is a green field out there. That's for sure. But thank you for having me on, Francie. Of course. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Out of Spec podcast today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you find yourself listening or watching us. And we'll see you next time on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.